Welcome to Recipe to Success, the show where we sit down with key individuals in the hospitality industry to hear more about their journey to success. I'm your host, Hamza Zuhur, CEO and founder of Social Awaken. I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to another episode of Recipe to Success. Today I'm joined by one of the co-owners of The Great Chase Restaurant and I'm really excited to get this episode underway because I think it'll be um, one full of value. Um, I'm actually feeling a bit under the weather today so I will apologise if my voice is a little bit croaky um, but I'll do my best. Um, I couldn't cancel this one or reschedule this one because um, it's definitely going to be one that you guys would enjoy. So why don't you start off uh, by introducing yourself for everyone to know who you are what your business is and, and all that kind of stuff. Great, thank you. Uh, my name is Maverick. I'm one of the co-owners of The Great Chase in Islington, St. John Street. Um, I opened it about two years ago with my business partner, Simon, um, and I'm now here with the podcast, and Hamza kindly invited me to come down, and now I'm here. Amazing, amazing. So um, for all of those people that don't know, um, what is The Great Chase? What is it all about? So The Great Chase is essentially a, a, a sort of fully halal, alcohol-free um sort of fine eating uh, slash casual restaurant. So we want to bring the sort of fine dining element into the halal industry. Um, but we, did, we don't want to go too far into sort of going too far away into pretentiousness. So we wanted to make it a bit of a relaxed environment where people can enjoy that sort of quality of food that you'd expect in sort of the, the high-end fine dining restaurants, but get it in a more slightly relaxed, casual uh, environment, but without any compromise on your sort of halal dietary requirements mm-hmm. and what do what do some of the like menu look like for people that don't know um i think when we first started we didn't have any burgers and steaks we we just we, we've sort of introduced that because it was more of a safeguarding because obviously in the halal industry um what we do is quite niche mm-hmm. um and obviously for some people it might be a little bit too adventurous it, it, it might be something that they're not familiar with um and, and for that we we have the sort of we have a couple of burgers um, and we have two cuts of steaks um, j- just for that mm-hmm. um, but the, the main thing of what we do is we work with British produce as much as we can uh, we work with ethically sourced products so um, sort of free range meats from farms in Britain um, we use a lot of our veg which is uh, seasonal uh, from the UK as much as we can um, and it is a seasonal menu um, so we do change it throughout the year so we want to work with the freshest and the best produce that's available at that time and it's, it's mainly sort of I'd say it's Modern European, so it's okay. sort of British with quite a lot of French flair, um, especially as the chef is French. Great, as well, so. great, great, great. So um, <clears throat> it's, it's an interesting one because it's a quite a unique concept. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's one of the reasons why, obviously, um, I'm quite a supporter of the brand is because it's, it's not something that you see every day. Mm-hmm. And I think the way it's been done, executed, has been executed quite well. Um, but how did the idea come about? Because it's not something that is, you know, because when... When there's a trend of popular businesses yeah. like burger burger places or steak places, then you start seeing all of these kind of places pop up. Yeah, um, cool. But this is a little bit of the opposite. Um, mm. It's something completely different um, with also the twist of it being halal because that's a big part as well. Yeah. Um, so how did how did the idea come about? Um, it came about, I'd say, well, we've been open now two years. It's probably three years in the making. Um, so five years ago, I'd say probably sort of, had that sort of light bulb. I wouldn't say it's a light bulb in terms of I had a genius idea. 
it, it was far from it. It was just more what would I have liked to have seen in the industry. Um, I think it started from my own personal need, uh, thinking well, if I wanted to go out tonight, but I wanted something a little bit different, where can I go? So it, it's, it's nothing about being the best restaurant ever. It's just making sure that we had another option. Because as a, someone with halal dietary requirement, your options are quite limited. Um, because it's not like you can go out anywhere in London to enjoy food. Um, you know, and there are predominant regions in London that have a lot of halal options, but then there's other parts of London that don't have it at all. Especially um, fine dining, I think. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it, it really clicked when, because in my day job, um, I take my clients out for lunches and dinners. Um, and obviously, they're a particular kind of clients, um, so obviously I have to take them to sort of high-end restaurants. Um, but when we're in the high-end restaurants, they're enjoying their time. Uh, they're ordering whatever they want in their menu, they're having any drinks, they're pairing their drinks. Uh, and I'm sitting there sort of saying, oh, what's your vegetarian options? And it's not predominantly what I'd go for. Um, but it's it's what I was looking at, and and then even even then it gets a bit complicated because then you think oh I might look at seafood, but then you're like oh but I don't want you to cook it with white wine, um, and and there's that sort of complication right, um, whereas they have the free run at the menu, um, and then it wasn't just that it was the service as well the, the service in these kind of restaurants it wasn't a transaction, it wasn't someone just taking your order sending it to the kitchen and then just giving you a plate, they understood their menu, um, they were hosts. And I think the bit that really impressed me was when they actually came over to my client with a, a wine list and they did this whole presentation of the wine list and how to pair a particular wine with a dish that they've just chosen and explain to them how that works. Um, but bearing in mind, the whole time they were presenting that to my client, their back was towards me because I was like, I can't enjoy something like that. So I thought to myself, isn't there a way of creating that experience um, for people that require it to be well fully halal so without the alcohol completely halal menu um, and I thought being in London um, especially somewhere where we think it tends to be quite more forward thinking as a city um, massive Muslim population um, the culinary scene in London is world famous uh, so I always thought to myself now that the Muslims for example are climbing the social ladder um, especially in their jobs in their education um, I was wondering if in the food will we do the same because um, like how these clients get to enjoy these kind of restaurants, we'll, we will get to enjoy these kind of restaurants. Um, so then I just thought about it, wouldn't it be great if we had a restaurant like that? Um, and then I, was, I actually spoke to a work colleague of mine about it. Um, and then he said he had a friend uh, that was interested in doing a restaurant, but he, he, he never believed in any concept and he never really had anyone to do it with. Um, so he introduced me to his friend, so I went out to dinner with his friend and then I sort of pitched him the idea. Um, and then within about 10 minutes he said he stopped me and just said you know what I'm sold I'll do it with you um, and then I said well I spent all night trying to create this pitch so I'm just going to carry on and, and get to the end of it um, so he really believed in it because he, he thought it's because he, he's a British guy he's a northerner from Yorkshire mm -hmm. um, and he thought that in Britain there should be a, a place to dine out for everyone um, no one should be restricted by anything when it comes to dining out um, and that's why he wanted to do it with me and then we worked on the details over three years in terms of what we wanted the concept to be, uh, what sort of produce we wanted to use, uh, what kind of chefs we wanted in place, um, how we wanted to do the drinks, um, uh, and how we wanted to create something a little bit different um, because we already have so much of other things. Um, we're like, we don't need to um, you know, create even more of the same. We said, let's just try something a little bit different. That's a bit of a risk, uh, especially because it's not something that's the norm in the industry, or in the halal industry anyway. Um, and then we, we thought we'd 
would go with it. So that was the <clears throat> the genius idea at that point. Yeah. Um, and then you got a bit of support, which is great. Yeah. Um, so he was. So he's English, not. Um, no. Yeah. Yeah. He's. Uh, so he's, he's English. Yeah. Okay. He's great. Uh, so I think that's that's really interesting because um, what a lot of people don't realize is that. Um, just because it's a halal restaurant, don't mm-hmm. assume that the owners are Muslim. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, people choose to be halal for a reason, whether mm-hmm. it's for the consumers, whether, you know, they actually believe in the way that halal uh, produce is made or, yeah. you know, um, kind of cut up and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, that's one thing. But then obviously you've got the idea. I'm guessing both of you don't have any experience of hospitality. No, I mean, my business partner, he, he did have a role as a chef in, in Notting Hill for a little while. Um, but in terms of running a business, neither of had anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. complete novices. So then, okay, so you've got the idea. Where do you go from there then? Research. Yeah. Lots of research on our part. Um, we tried to talk to other business owners, but it wasn't easy at the time to get through to other business owners. First of all, we didn't know many. Mm-hmm. Um, and secondly, we didn't know how to reach out to them either. Um, so the way we started is a way I would never tell anyone else to start. Um, it was a lot of guesswork um, just from the research we did. Um, and sometimes a little bit of a punt, um, some well-calculated punts. Um, Trial and error. And yeah, and we just sort of went with it. I, you know, you create this forecast, which is all great, but a forecast is never true. Mm-hmm. You, 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 don't, you don't know you're going to end up there, right? Um, so I try to implement as much as I can in trying to get to this end result, or even at least just get to opening. Um, but while doing one thing, you realise there's something else you need to do. So I didn't know everything. I just knew as I was going along. So it's like, oh, I've done this. Oh, wait. Oh, does this cost for this now? Oh, I didn't factor that in. And then we just had to, it was like a snowball effect, just constantly just things piling up. Um, and what would have really helped at that time is if I was able to have like a mentor or someone that was able to guide me a little bit on how to open a business or how to open a restaurant, because that time was actually very tough because uh, I was blind to a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I think now... If I was to do it again, uh, I could probably do it a lot quicker and possibly a lot better as well. Because now I know from all the errors I made, it's not even about because I was good at what I did. It wasn't anything to do because I couldn't have been good at something I never did before. Um, but I'd be better at it now because I know to avoid all the mistakes that I made. Yeah, I think that's one of the things about business is that as you go along, you learn so much. Yeah. And then you tell yourself that. You know, I can't make these same mistakes again because I've learned from them. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the big things, you know, that was one of the reasons why we wanted to start the podcast because there are there are a lot of people that are young now that maybe in five years' time or maybe even a year's time um, or even maybe now they're thinking about it that yeah. they want to jump into hospitality. I think it's such an exciting industry at the moment. Yeah. Um, whereas before, kind of people didn't really know where to even get started. Um, and yes, you know, some things you can't be told, some things you have to go through it yourself and experience yeah. it yourself. Um, but at the same time, to have mentors or to have platforms where you can learn, I think it's um, really beneficial. So at that point, you, you're you going through the whole snowball effect before you've opened, I'm guessing. Yeah. So, you, so you've gone through the whole thing of, this. I've got this expense, okay, I need to do this now. Um, then eventually, I'm guessing, it led up to the point where you were like, okay, I'm happy with everything now. Um, then did, did, did you then decide the opening date or was it just more of a spontaneous thing? So, no, we went through absolute hell with the opening. Um, it was actually supposed to be open eight months before it had actually opened. Wow, okay. Um, we went through some sort of legal... Uh, in terms of buying the premise or getting the commercial lease for the premise, it took a very long time. 
which was a very frustrating um, period just, yeah. um, because um, the current landlord was not sure about giving us the place um, because we've never owned a place before we didn't have any credit because obviously we know it's a new business also we were young um, you know at, at the time we were talking about it we were just under 30 years old both of us um, so he wasn't sure about taking that risk on us yeah. um, and then the, the current people in the premise were trying to sell it to us so they were getting frustrated because the landlord wasn't sure about letting us take the place um, and then we got the solicitors involved and then there's just this prolonged period of trying to trying to get the space uh, or trying to get the commercial lease um, and then what happened was we didn't get to open the way we wanted to because we wanted to have a whole month where we can or even two months even to try and get things into place to renovate to get the place open and what happened was the current holders of the premise got very frustrated because of how long it was taking and they just wanted to sell the place and move on um, and then when we finally got the solicitors to get everything put into place they said we had to pay there and then to buy the place and we've already given our deposit wow um, so we've done that we've got the place which meant we had the place from tomorrow which meant rent kicks in so we just had to spend two weeks we just rushed two weeks of trying to get the place ready to then just open because as a startup business with our own cash we need revenue coming in we needed money to start coming back in straight away we couldn't afford to be closed for two months to try and do renovations it, that would have just killed us um, and then yeah, and then it got delayed. And I, and I still remember, it's, it's one of those things I still always remember, and I keep talking to my business partner about it, is, do you remember the night before we had to open? And he always shakes his head and goes, I never want to go through that again. Um, because we announced the day of opening, and it was 3 a.m. in the morning the same day, and we were still in there trying to get it ready. And then we sat down, and we both just said, you know what, should we just call it? And just just call, call, call off the opening. When we're ready for it, we'll do it. Um, because everything was just going wrong. It's a grade two listed building, really old. We had our survey done. I guess surveys didn't pick up everything. Um, and again, it's that thing of that naivety. I've been a first time business owner that I didn't notice certain things. Some very simple things that you assume out of common sense you would just check and we didn't. Um, and those things started falling apart the day before we were opening. Um, so there's just this, this manic moment and then we just kind of went and we just went with it. We opened, we said, you know what, there's nothing else we can do. We haven't really got much of a choice. Um, let's just see how we can make it work. And then we did, and we went with it. So that was a massive test in the whole opening phase. Um, so then, okay, so now you've opened. How is that feeling? Because now you've spent a lot of money. You've gone through a lot of uh, trials and tribulations mm -hmm. in terms of the building or the business or, you know, m multiple things. I'm sure you've invested quite a bit as well. Um, what was the response like as soon as you opened? Um, very quiet. Um, again, it's that thing is, I, I didn't really know how to market the restaurant. Um, I, uh, again, I was naive enough to think that I can make it work with just Instagram. Um, and that, that doesn't work that way. Um, especially when you've got a following of 20 people that are your own <laughs> family. Right? So um, getting the word out there was quite tough. Um, so then I learned to start getting inviting bloggers in um, but then we weren't sure about getting bloggers in because we were like let's get through the first few weeks because you know we don't want yeah, to we don't want them turning up and then we, we, we mess everything up because we don't know how to do it um, yeah no the, the beginning was very tough I mean it, it took several months um, of losses um, quiet days uh, we had some evenings where we had a table of two 
the whole day. Right. Um, and then, I'm not even sure if there were, might have even been one day where we didn't have anyone, but I don't think so. No, I think the, the worst we've had was just one table of two mm-hmm. that we had that one time. And, and we were just never able to make it work. It, it took a long time. So then we, we pushed a bit harder in getting our word out there, getting uh, our, you know, our social media feed set up better, um, concentrating it more, getting more feeds out. Um, and then obviously, it, again, it's like a snowball effect. It's the people that were coming were enjoying themselves. And then because we were new, they wanted to introduce someone else to the place. So they'd come back again and bring new people. And then over time, we started to get larger regular customers. Um, and they were bringing newer people, the newer people hearing about us. Obviously, bloggers really helped. Um, you know, I know everyone has their stigma around bloggers. Um, but I guess to get that, to get those bombs on seats initially, um, they were a massive help. Yeah. Um, and then they put out the word and they really enjoyed it. And then it, it came out and then it, it started coming through. And um, yeah, and, and, and that's how we got to where we are today. But we always kept trying to improve. We kept adding better people to our team. Uh, we kept coming up with newer ideas, getting more creative, getting a little bit more finer. Um, and also we tried to get our story out there and edu- uh, get some education out there as well on, on what we're trying to do, um, especially with the drink side. Because um, we do make real cocktails. Um, we don't make any mocktails in, in, in the essential sense of pina coladas or mojitos. Uh, we make actual real cocktails uh, with actual real sort of products. So like actual alcohol-free spirits um, with actual cordials which we get specifically made for us uh, which are hand-picked in England hand-pressed um, preserved in natural sugars and some of these flavors are created just for us and they get sent over to us as well um, and then I have an actual sommelier who we took from the Young's company and he's an alchemist as well so he's the one that spins all the drinks for us um, and all our drinks are specific only to us because we made them wow. um, they're all our recipes um, well essentially his recipes um, and, and it kind of gives us a little bit of a stamp of being a little bit different in that sense. Um, I think it was also getting past the idea of people's expectations of us. There's several expectations of us. Uh, one is when we say we're sort of fine eating, people expect to come to a restaurant with you know, a lot of grandeur, like really grand, they ex- probably expect to see chandeliers and, and, and butter service. Um, we, have inc- we have incredible service, very friendly, um, but we're a little bit more relaxed. Um, so there's that expectation when we say, because that's the problem when you say fine dining. You know, you're expecting something like the Dorchester or the Ritz. Okay. Uh, and we're not that. Well, maybe one day we could be, inshallah, who knows. Mm-hmm. Um, but we aren't that at the moment uh, in terms of our look. Um, and then the other expectation is, obviously, when halal has quite a bit of a stigma around it um, of a particular type of food. Because mm-hmm. for so long, halal had just been a fried chicken shop. Yeah. Um, and then from there, it evolved into something else. And then, and then we just kept evolving and finding newer options uh, and, and, and different cuisines from different parts of the world, um, which is great. And that's why we now have a space to be where we are. Um, so it, it's managing that expectation. So for some people coming and, you know, there's issues with, uh, which is understandable sometimes, it's the portion size, but obviously we're trying to be fine eating. Um, so, you know, the, the, you have to work your way through the whole course. Um, if you're going to come in and just have a starter, for example, for the whole evening, then it will be quite small. Or if you're going to come and have just one main dish the whole evening, then it will be quite small. We're trying to encourage people to try a dining experience. Uh, we tell people it's not really somewhere to just eat, it's somewhere to experience. So it's working your way through the whole course. Let us talk you through it. Let us pair the drinks with it. Let us get you some cocktails to begin with to just get the whole experience. And it took a while to get people to come around to that. 
Um, some people came to it and were super excited because, like myself, I'm not the only person that was looking for something like this. There are a plethora of people out there that are looking for places like this to dine yeah. in. So these guys come and they love it. Other people, it's the first time, they enjoy it, uh, and other people, it's just not for them. Uh, but that's just the nature of the game. You're not going to be for you're not going to be the cup of tea for everyone. Um, so yeah, so all of that took a little while, and then. It, it takes time to build a reputation. You can just never make it straight away, especially when we were nobody. We opened as the Great Chase. No one had a clue who we were. And people didn't even know we were a restaurant because the Great Chase doesn't sound like a restaurant. Um, so every time, I, even in my family, when I told them, oh, I'm named at the Great Chase, they just laughed and went, what the hell is that? And I was like, why? And they're like, well, that is, how am I supposed to know that's a restaurant? Yeah. And I was like, well, it doesn't necessarily have to have the name of a cooking equipment or an ingredient in the name for it to be a restaurant. Um, so even in that it's such a simple thing but even there's an expectation of the name uh, of, of a restaurant so it was there's a lot of challenges because we were trying to be we're trying to introduce something so new to the industry um, so yeah th there was all those challenges and it took a while I mean like I said we're not successful yet um, but we're you know we're starting to get a little bit more steady um, and I, I, we're trying to build our brand a little bit as well mm. um, and, and see where it takes us I think um, it's it's really inspiring to hear that kind of story because a lot of people do assume that things happen overnight mm -hmm. um, and people just like to think that oh I'm going to open a business and the next day I'm going to be making a million pounds yeah. you know? it doesn't yeah. work like that um, that's the reality but you talked about um, there were days where you had literally a table of two the whole day yeah. um, what made you persevere through those times and get through to the other end and I, respectfully I understand that you're saying that you're not successful but mm -hmm. for most people they may assume that you're yeah. doing quite well and I'm, I'm sure you are I think um, probably modestly in terms of your numbers in terms of your forecast you're probably saying I haven't achieved success yet and that's um, nice of you to kind of be so humble about that but you know it has come a long way from where it was um, and I think it's not only about because success is, is very subjective, right? Yes. Success for you might be different to someone else. Mm -hmm. um, and some people may look up to you and think, you know what, you are doing a great job. So what made you persevere to get to the point where you are now and continue and, and get through it? Um, I mean, we were under no illusion that it was going to take time. That's the thing. Uh, especially in a restaurant business. It's, 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 it's very glamorous and exciting, but it's also probably the toughest industry to be in. Um, but no... I, I guess it's not going to be one. I guess my answer is not going to be one of those sort of dreamy answers, and you know, like one of those things that become uh, like an influential answer. <laughs> it's, it's really we persevered because we put so much money in it. We had to make it work. Um, there was no ifs and buts about it. We just were like, look, it's not working right now. What do we do? How do we get more bombs on seats? Um, it it wasn't this sort of you know like a training montage of saying, ah, oh, I'm gonna just you know we're gonna work hard, we make it work. It was really just we've put so much money into it, we've put so much hard work into it, so much of our time. I took a year out of my day job, so I wasn't earning any money mm -hmm. to make it work. Me and my business partner weren't taking any money from the business either um, to just try and make it. We're like, we've put so much into it. Let's just give it a little bit more time and see where it goes. Because we're like, the general consensus they say is a restaurant doesn't start making money until it's third year. Wow. Right? So if, if you put that into it, then, you know, if you were to give up because you didn't make money in your second month of opening a restaurant, you should have never opened it in the first place. If that was your, and if that is your expectation, unless you're a franchise, like you've already got five other restaurants and you're opening another one that people can't wait for you to open in their location or in their city, that's different. But when you're a brand new startup that no one knows anything about you, you haven't got a famous chef, you haven't got anything of that. 
don't open a restaurant if you think you're going to make money in the first two months or first three months or even in the first year because if that's your expectation you're going to get hugely disheartened um, and if we didn't have that thought behind us already you know we would have closed up straight away in the first year because we weren't making any money um, but we knew we wouldn't be uh, we knew it was going to be a challenge uh, and we knew that at least in the first few months we are really not even going to be able to fill half of our restaurant on any night uh, even if it was the weekend um, I still remember the first time we hit a landmark on a weekend because it took us now as a restaurant it's quite bad so if you imagine on a Saturday we couldn't even make a grand and we opened lunch and dinner right and I remember on the th- third month maybe we made our first grand in one day and it was like this massive celebration in the restaurant we were just like we were just high-fiving everyone um, but even that grand wasn't even anything it didn't actually put us into profit but it was just trying to hit that because we at least then we knew there's a bit of progression because mentally to keep going you need to see some kind of progression it might not be that you're making profit but you know that as long as the progression is there then in your timeline or in your forecast if you're on an upward curve then you know you're going to eventually, as long as you keep on with the right intentions and keep putting in the hard work, then you might reach where you want to reach, but you have to see that upward curve. Because if it's just plateauing or going down over two years, then you know it's probably not working. Um, but we, alhamdulillah, we got to see the upward curve. Even if it wasn't where we wanted to be, but as long as the direction was going upwards, then at least we knew things are starting to work, and that's what gave us a bit more hope. Um, and allowed us to continue and I think the thing that really helped us continue was the, the positive feedback we got from people was amazing and one thing about a restaurant is it, it can be very self-gratifying as well because when you hear what people say about your restaurant and how much they wanted a restaurant like this or how much they enjoyed themselves and all these different things um, it, it, you feel good and there's always that feel good factor and it's like a, I think it's like any job regardless of whether it's a business it's like if you're a salesperson um, you're motivated by good results and then you can work harder it doesn't matter how hard the job gets but if your results are coming in you feel better about it and you can go into work but if your results aren't coming in and you're still working really hard at some point you're going to get disheartened and it can affect your affect your job and I think it's the exact same in business um, so to get that positive feedback to get that support from people um, seeing the reviews come through or just seeing what people say to us when they're in the restaurant um, you think to yourself if I, made, if I made them that happy in that evening, I'd love to make 10 more people tonight feel that good as well. And it just keeps you going. And that's how it works. Well, that's how it's been working for us. Amazing, amazing. So at this point now, obviously the restaurant started to blossom and you know we've talked a bit, little bit about the hardships along the way and you know the journey getting to, to where you are now. Um, when did you start getting recognised a little bit more? Because now you're an award-winning restaurant, um, you know, people have paid attention, uh, the likes of Time Out, etc., mm-hmm. you know, so they have actually um, recognised you. So I'm sure that must have been quite a good feeling, but yeah, how was. long ago did, did that come about? In all honesty, I'd say actual recognition or people starting to get to know us. Um, I mean, bear in mind, there's still a whole lot of people that still don't know The Great Chase or that it exists. Um, but just after a year, I think, of opening. So I opened... In, or we opened in July 2017 I'd say yeah literally a whole year later is when we probably started to see a bit more um, people coming through started seeing people taking a bit more notice of us um, 
Inshallah, I think what helped is is not just Muslim diners we get. We've got a lot of non-Muslim diners as well because, um, like I said, because we're not doing mocktails essentially, we're doing actual alcohol-free cocktails. There's a lot of non-Muslims that are not, there's a lot of people that are sober for a reason. It can be any personal reason, yeah. it, can, it can be a choice or, or whether it's for health or, or whatever. Um, but I guess they were also struggling to find grown-up drinks for themselves that wasn't full of sugary syrup or lemonade or something like that. So they wanted something, but they, and they were struggling. Because obviously when they're going out with their friends who drink, it's a bit of a struggle. Um, and then obviously we kept, they started hearing about our bar and then they started coming in. And we started actually picking up a lot of these sober crowds. Um, and then obviously when they were trying our drink, they were specifically coming for our drinks only. But then they thought they'd try our food as well. And then they realised, oh, the food's really good as well. Um, and then we started getting into newspapers. So like the Londonist then did an article on us. Uh, also about how we're trying to be ethical. Um, you know, we try to be as ethical as we can be, but there's a lot of challenges. Um, and I think the, I think the only thing that worries me is when we say we're ethical, it's we'll probably end up under a lot of scrutiny because everyone will pick out everything. But it's impossible to be, to have every single detail done. So we say let's just make a start where we can be. Let's be as ethical as we can be. Um, and then that story started going out, and people started, you know, they you know they really respected that story. Um, a lot of people related to that story. Um, so when the newspaper picked it up, then bloggers started hearing about us. So other bloggers started coming in. And ones that we hadn't invited, they were just coming in their own accord. Um, and then obviously, time out, the Love Awards happened. Uh, we got those awards in. Um, Foodism Awards. So, Foodism Award is a restaurant award for London um, that's based around ethical restaurants mainly uh, and, and sort of what they're doing for the community, what they're doing uh, to be ethical. Um, and then they nominated us two years in a row under Best Fine Dining Restaurant in London. And what made me quite proud about that is. That wasn't um, a niche award in terms of um, just halal restaurants or anything like that. It was amongst everyone in London. Um, so to be able to become a, a nominee uh, in the top 10 of best fine dining restaurant in London uh, and be alcohol free as well at the same time um, was something for me to be very, or for the whole team actually, to be very proud of. And I think all of that just started coming out and then our words started getting out there. Um, we started popping up in a lot of people's social feeds because the busier you get, the more people you have in your restaurant, everyone's snapping away. There's a higher concentration of not just you putting on Instagram, but other people putting on Instagram. So their followers and their friends and family are seeing it. Um, and then we had this period where people couldn't really avoid us on Instagram for a while. Um, and I think that really helped. And Instagram is the biggest driver for us. Um, so our Google rankings went up um, and, and, and all those sort of things. Uh, so yeah, it, it took an um, incredible amount of graph in the first year. Um, to try and get that sort of recognition and it, and it still takes the same amount of graft to even just continue on, on the same level let alone trying to push ourselves up even further um, and that's when we started seeing the change um, and then we started adapting a little bit we said alright look we're starting in Bourgogne what did people really enjoy let's keep that probably what didn't work let's adapt it a little bit and we just started getting better at streamlining um, our business to make it work better for our audience um, and, and that's where we are today. Yeah, because as you go along, you start finding out what people like. And what yeah, people yeah. Don't like. we had a lot of waste to begin with, mm-hmm. huge amounts of waste, because we were m- making so many, uh, I wouldn't say wrong choices, it's just, I guess, it took, we had to experience our audience for a little while to really understand them. Um, because one prime example was we had a cheese board on our menu, um, and we spent a lot of money on these expensive cheeses, um, and we saw only one. Um, so I had to just give all the cheese away to all the staff. So it's like just trying to f- tweak little things. It's like, 
trying not to go too crazy with yeah. our ideas um, trying to still be a little bit sensible but still at least be a different option at the same time yeah but I think um, a lot of that comes with hindsight as well yeah. so you don't really realise until you go through it but exactly yeah but um, so that's I mean amazing but w- what would you would you, I mean would you say that that was your most fulfilling moment was when you started getting awards or did you have more of a moment where you were like that is something I can't forget I think I think there's a dangerous thing with restaurants is you can get really bogged down in winning awards um, but you can you can win awards without your business doing well very true right? and we won awards when we weren't making any money. As a business, you want to rob, you want to be making money because there's no point. You're not going to spend all this money into a business just to win, to win awards, awards <laughs> and then lose your business because you didn't make any money, right? Um, and to be honest, we we were, we were winning those awards and we were still not making money um, because you win those awards for the food that you do, the service that you provide, the drink. You don't win awards for being the business that makes the most money. You don't win an award for being the business that's the busiest. Um, so it it's very self-gratifying to win those awards and I think what it helps to do is makes you push because like, if I won these awards then this should help me push more forward or push because you realise you're better. onto something yeah exactly yeah. so you, you kind of th- those awards have kind of made me f- made us feel like you know what our idea does work um, we came up with this idea when we were disheartened and thought it might not work these awards came in and it just sort of rejuvenated us a little bit because he made us think, well, you know what? If these guys are going to give us awards, that means they, they see something good in us. All we need to do is now get that out there and see if people will take a, a chance in, in dining with us. And I think it's, it was more of a mental thing rather than an actual anything physically that happened. It was more just, it made us believe more in our idea because it, it almost certified the idea, yeah. if you know what I mean. Yeah, I think also like it eventually does allow consumers to have more trust in you as well yeah but it's a slow burner it's not something yeah. that automatically overnight people will be like oh i need to try this place now because they've got an award yeah it does exactly. make a difference um i think to numbers but over time yeah um, and people then start appreciating it but um yeah so that's when you started winning awards um and so things started to pick up slowly slowly obviously you did mention that you you, were, you still were struggling yeah. to a certain degree even when you were winning awards um but then when did it get to the point where you were like, you know what, um, not only are we now surviving, mm-hmm. um, we're actually heading into growth yeah. and there is a solid reason uh, to continue to do this other than just um, not really pride, but the fact that, you know, you've put a lot of money in it. Yeah. Because sometimes um, what a lot of business owners don't know how to do is um, tell themselves that, okay, enough's enough. Yeah. Um, they keep going and then they get to the point where they're just beyond bankrupt yeah. um, because they could have said let's give up a long time ago but it's a very hard thing to do especially yeah. if not just um, in terms of yourself in terms of your own mindset and saying oh I need to give this up even though I've put in all this money and all this work but I think also sometimes people do care what other people think as well and even if we don't tell ourselves that we do um, we don't want people to look at us and think oh you're a failure or you know that didn't work out it's, it's a difficult thing especially um, in, in some specific communities it can be quite difficult but you managed to get through it mm-hmm. um, so what was that experience like? Obviously, when you went through it, you were like, okay, we're starting to see a little bit of growth. Um, there is a reason for us to continue. Did, was there a defining moment for that or was it just you were starting to see more progress over time? It was, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say there was a, a day or a moment that made that happen. I think it was a period of time. It was looking back at the last three months. 
or the last quarter uh, and to see how we performed over the last quarter because that gives us a good indicator uh, of consistency or if we're consistently doing well because um, you can have a cracking week but then you can have eight really bad weeks that's you know your business can't survive like that um, so really it was more just you know I always check my uh, we always review what we're doing um, and then it was just it was just the first time ever we had a quarter which was super consistent and, and really doing it and I think that's when me and my business partner looked at each other and said you know what I think I think we're kind of there now uh, in terms of we're at a level where we can now survive um, and then when we had that and that was not too long ago even um, that was towards the end of last year I'd say um, and then we're like look it's Ooh, we're kind of there actually you know what funny enough it was Ramadan wow it was actually Ramadan actually yeah because we've we've never actually had a consistent so you know how like really popular restaurants have this thing where oh if you try to get a booking you can't you can try and get a booking in two weeks time you can get it three weeks time so we never had that um, and then it was our first ever Ramadan that we were doing at the restaurant and we were super nervous because we're like before Ramadan okay but we're not actually busy so then we're like oh my, well, now we're going to lose predominantly majority of our audience because everyone's going to be fasting and then I was like it's our first time doing Ramadan first time trying to pull out an iftar menu are even people going to even see it to even care to want to come and join us we're in a very awkward location as well we're not re- really near any masjids um, for people who want to go to Tarawi and things like that and I was like oh. so we just so we then we spent a good three weeks just brainstorming how we're going to do Ramadan um, but we wanted to make sure that the essence of Ramadan was the most important thing and not so much about just providing people with food because obviously that's not the most important part of Ramadan yeah. and um, and then somehow Alhamdulillah that one month in Ramadan we were fully booked the whole month uh, quite in advance um, actually no the first week was tough because obviously people don't really go, people out. Don't really go yeah. out and then the following few months it was just unbelievable Alhamdulillah it was best month we've ever had and we were even closed during the days we literally almost only opened for iftar so we opened for less hours than we normally would be this was Ramadan 2018 this is Ramadan 2018 okay. yeah so we opened for less hours um, and it was just it was an unbelievable month it was an amazing month people really believed in our iftar people you know just booked out the whole month we we turned away so we turned away more customers in that month than we've probably taken in three months um and I think that is the moment that really changed things for us because that was a massive concentration of people <coughs> that were trying to get in contact with us, that were dining with us for a whole month. And then all those people were then like, well, look, we need to come and try them after Ramadan now. So then straight after Ramadan, we started seeing this real pickup of people coming through um, to try us, see us, because obviously they, um, they didn't get through to us. So yeah, that, that was probably, uh, for the business, that was a very defining moment for us, definitely. What do you think changed in that time? Other than, obviously, the, the own reasons that we will say, you know, the blessings and stuff like that. But what, was there something dramatic that changed? Or was it just, you couldn't, I, you couldn't tell yourself why? I, I, I think it was a combination of a few things. Um, it, was, it was definitely a different iftar. It's not the normal iftars that you eat out. Mm. Um, so everyone has their favourites of where they go out to eat iftar. And, you know, the, the Hala Russians that cater to, to, to iftars. Our one was quite different because we were providing food that wasn't the norm, especially not to break your fasters anyway, yeah. uh, especially in our communities. Um, so it's something a little bit different. But um, we also structured it in a, in a very strict manner um, where we, we took all the pre-orders, the guests arrived, they had everything on their tables. 
but we'd explained the whole evening to everyone that attended. So we managed everyone's timings uh, while we were there. Uh, we took a break for 15 minutes for Maghrib Salah, made sure no one, um, we took no orders during that time. Uh, we played the Adhan through the restaurant, we didn't play the music during the time. Um, and then we also played our Maghrib Salah together in Jamaat. So we used to collect uh, all the diners together for us to go and pray together as well. Um, and things like that. And I think that really fed into people's experiences of what Ramadan should be like. Um, and as a restaurant, we were able to pull that off. And, and you know, it's something I'm very proud of. Uh, Alhamdulillah, it's, I'm glad I was, Allah was able to give me those resources uh, and the time and to allow me to have those diners to come in and create that sort of experience for everyone. Um, so that was really nice. And I think when people experienced that, they really enjoyed themselves. You know, it's a blessed month as well. Um, and I remember I told all my staff who are non-Muslim at the time, and I said to them, the best month you're ever going to have in this restaurant is going to be Ramadan. And then they said, why? I said, because every diner will have to be on their best behavior because they don't want to nullify their fast. Um, and then after, as we were coming to the end of Ramadan, all my non-Muslim staff came to me and they said to me, oh, Mario, does Ramadan really have to ch- uh, end? Can it not just be for the whole year? I was like, if only. <laughs> so that was actually, yeah, I'd say that's probably one of the defining moments for us. Definitely. You must have been, um, must have been challenging for you though, obviously fasting and operating the business I know I remember like um, this year was probably the first time where I was proper you know diving in into my business um, and fasting and, and all that kind of stuff and I found it challenging I'm not gonna lie um, it was it was hard I think at the beginning it was it was difficult because you know you get your body's getting used mm-hmm. to it um, and then obviously over time it does become easier but running a business um, and fasting isn't the easiest thing mm-hmm. um, so how did you challenge? Uh, how how did you deal with that? And not just in Ramadan, but how do you you know deal with some of the things that come along with owning a business? You know, you're lucky enough to have a partner. Obviously, yeah. I'm sure he you know shares some of that as well. But you know, is there certain practices that you follow? Is there certain beliefs that you have um, that keep you going, or is it just that you you know every day you just take it as a new challenge? Uh, as in specifically during Ramadan, or I mean specifically Ramadan, but also generally as well. I mean, during Ramadan, it wasn't too hard for me, if I'm being honest, in terms of... I mean, it was actually, but not for what you'd think it would be for. Um, Fasting for me is probably the easiest part of Ramadan. Um, I mean, I'm not saying it because it's... I'm trying to make it sound like, oh, it's easy. It's not. Um, But for me, fasting is the easiest part because everyone's fasting. It makes it a lot easier for you to to fast as well. I think the hard part is keeping up with everything else in Ramadan. So your prayers, your tarawih, your tahajjud in the last 10 nights. Um, those sort of things and, and the sleep deprivation almost because you don't get to sleep as much that's probably the part that's the hardest fasting part is not that hard for me and I think when we were in the restaurant running the iftar service it's such a rush um, that you don't even think about it like I got through every day in Ramadan I, I brought my fast every day with uh, just a date and then got through the whole we got so through the whole service and it was just me I've got other Muslim staff that have joined me like for the last year one they did the same they just had a date and they just got through the whole iftar service and they didn't eat until they rushed off the tarawih afterwards. Maybe after tarawih they ate. And I think the last year's was a lot easier because I think even if you're not running a restaurant in terms of fasting, I think everyone was only eating one time once the whole yeah, day anyway because yeah. it was such a short time frame mm-hmm. right, in terms of when you can eat. Um, that bit was fine. I think it was more trying to rush off to the prayers, get to the, on the last 10 nights trying to do tajj and then get back to the restaurant um, and, and things like that. So... Uh, in that sense, it wasn't too tough, uh, I'll, I'll be honest, to get through it, uh, I don't think. Um, I think in general, uh, on an everyday basis, um, you just persevere. You just go day to day. And the thing is, you have to persevere because you can't plan in a business all the time. Because some days I have a plan for the next week, 
and then tomorrow I'll get a call and they'll say something's broken and then you've got to react to something that's more immediate than the plan that you already had in place and then that changes everything um, you know I got called once on a Saturday night at I think it was, it was actually the only it was the first day off I had in about four months my first day off I had in four months sitting at home on a Saturday uh, I'm there with my wife uh, and my son and then I get a call at 10.45 in the night and the guys at the restaurant are calling me saying one of the water pipes are bust in the basement and that was it and then you just got to react to it it's your business no one else is going to take care of it so whatever you had planned going forward you just got to react to it so it's just you just got to persevere you just got to go through it but obviously persevere with in, in a responsible way like you said if, yeah. you know if you're, if, you're, if you're not doing well and you know and I know especially in our communities there's that thing of that stigma of failure and no one wants to be a failure but it is being sensible that if it's you know if it's not good for you then you know it's you better for you not it. to yeah, yeah, it's, yeah it's better for you not because and also if it's not written for you like uh, I don't I, I mean I'm not trying to take it that way but like they say if Allah's willed it for you, you you can't even run away from it yeah And but if it's not for you no matter how much you how much perseverance you put in or how much you chase it if it's not willed for you then it's not going to happen but that doesn't mean that things are just going to happen at a click of a finger yeah, you still got yeah. you still got to put the work in because in putting the work in then maybe the blessings will come out at the end of it but it's that it's that fine line of how do you know though I, I guess that's the thing because we could have easily thrown the towel, towel in the first year when we saw only what one table coming in the whole day we could have easily thrown in the towel um, it, it takes some luck as well because uh, I guess other people, if, you know, other businesses, if they had one or two tables, they probably would have taken the sensible approach and said, let's downsize or let's do this. I may be where I am today because I didn't do that, but it might not be because I did that and then it's because I knew 100% it was going to work. We just thought, let's just see. Um, and there's a bit, little bit of luck as well. Um, I mean, I don't essentially believe in luck, but I mean, in terms of like, you know, sometimes you get someone that comes in they love it so much, but they got such a wide reach, and they become such an ambassador for you without meaning to be. Yeah. And then that's helped you, but it could have it could have been like, what if that one person didn't turn up that day to make that difference? Mm-hmm. Then the business wouldn't be where it is today. It's just so many different elements, so much of it that you don't even have control over. Yeah, um, I think that's what luck is really, in yeah. my opinion, is that the thing that you can't really plan for yeah. that just happens spontaneously, yeah, no and you're yeah, like, wow, exactly. that was cool. And I think we had a few of those yeah. moments, um, and I guess some people are unfortunate that they didn't have those moments. And there are some people out there that probably have, and I, I probably know that they have much better ideas than us. They probably have way better chance of doing a better business than us. But they were probably just unfortunate not to have that just one moment that we didn't even have control over. Um, and you can't plan for that moment either. Yeah. Um, and there are people out there that probably want to do much better things than we do. Um, and I hope to see that they do, because I'd love to see the halal industry improve even further, um, because we're seeing an evolution in the halal industry. Um, you know, we started somewhere, then someone else got introduced, someone else brought this, and someone else brought that, and that, and so on and so forth. I don't think anyone's better than anyone else, because the people like myself in The Great Chase wouldn't exist right now if it wasn't for all those restaurants that have been around for the that last 30 the years, way, yeah. that paved the way for us. Because otherwise <coughs> we'd be opening to nobody. Um, so I'd love to see that improvement. So I hope people that want to do things in the future, uh, that want to do more things in the hospitality business, um, I'm always there to support people and I've done it a few times already for other restaurants out there um, because I just want to see a better community amongst Muslim business owners and halal business owners whether they're Muslim or not that want to improve the halal industry um, I'd love to be able to get together with them and for us to all talk to each other find out our challenges 
because I have challenges that I might not have the answers for. And if I sit in that forum or in that table, someone else may have the answer to help me. And I always think to myself as, remember, as I mentioned earlier, if I, w- I wish I had someone that was able to help me just a little bit yeah. uh, in the beginning, it would make a massive difference. And I would love to be able to do that for as many other people as I can Definitely. as possible. And, and it's nice that I've had a few people reach out for that and I've been able to help. Um, but I always tell them, whatever advice I give you will not get you success because we haven't got that success. But at least I can av- tell you the mistakes I made so you can at least avoid those mistakes that I made. Um, and that's probably the most I can give people uh, at this time mm-hmm. until I'm actually successful. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. I mean, I knew that this was going to be um, a really valuable episode, um, but I didn't expect it to be this much. I mean, I'm sitting here like thinking I didn't want to talk. I was just listening. <laughs> um, but yeah, honestly, a lot of uh, a lot of really great points to consider that. I think we haven't maybe even covered in, in previous episodes, which is great. Um, so finally, just to kind of um, wrap things up, um, for people to now, they, I mean, they've heard your story. Yeah. Um, we all want you to go down and try the Great Chase uh, 100%. Um, so for people that want to try or want to follow your journey or um, just want to stay up to date, what's the best way for them to um, keep in touch with you and stay up to date? Um, I, I guess through Instagram. Um, that's probably the platform we're most active in. Um, anytime we come up with a new menu or anything new that we're doing or any events that are coming up um, we'll always be posting on Instagram so that's always the best way to to find out what's happening with us is there anything else coming up uh, in the future like any changes anything that people can expect Um, or would you just prefer that they stay tuned into your Instagram (laughs) I mean for now no because we we only just recently introduced our summer menu Mm -hmm. Um, so that'll probably run until about and we'll probably start working on the next menu in about September or something like that. Um, and at the moment, we've got this. Um, we're hoping, inshallah, in the future, we can grow the Great Chase uh, a little bit more. I'd actually love to move out the venue we're in right now. I think if I was to plan for my next most immediate thing I'd like to do is to get out of the current place I'm in at the moment and find something a little bit, a better location, a bit nicer, um, and doesn't have as many problems. Um, that would be nice. And for any business, halal business owners out there or people that want to go into the halal industry, if there's anything that I can help you guys with, then just reach out. Um, just drop me a message on Instagram and I'll happily uh, get back to you guys. If you could um, just give one piece of advice that you'd give, because we, we've covered quite a few mm-hmm. um, tips and pieces of advice that you know people that are considering to go into hospitality, they can take, mm-hmm. which is great. Um, what would you say for the youth in general? Um, that are you know looking into business or maybe even to a certain extent uh, hospitality um, but what would you say to them in terms of inspiring them for uh, potentially following their dreams or mm-hmm. following a different path I'd say don't do it alone um, and the reason why I say that is you definitely want to do the risk assessment and, and the reason why I say that is you know when you have your own idea no matter what happens you're always going to believe that's going to work and you're going to believe everything of that idea is going to work. Uh, and then you'll get super excited about it as well. Um, and, and when you're there, you kind of need a team or someone else even to just hone that back a little bit um, so you can really see the full picture. Because I remember I was super excited with my idea and I didn't see some of the faults in my idea because, first of all, you can't help it. It's your own idea, so you just think it's absolutely brilliant, right? Um, and, and the other thing is you just believe it's going to work. Um, but you need someone else to help you sometimes to just say, yeah, it will work, but here are the things that you need to do. Have you factored in this? Because 
when you come up with an idea, you're only thinking about the end. You're not thinking about how you got there or how you're going to get there. You're just thinking about, oh, no, this idea is going to work and it will probably make me a millionaire one day. Um, but that's not always the reality because if it was that easy, then we'd have no one but millionaires, right? Um, so no, I'd say try get a good amount of people around you. Do your research and always think about why it won't work rather than only why it would work. Because if you only think about why it would work, you're not going to get anything. Uh, you're not going to find. Sorry, if you only look for um, why it would work, then to you it's going to be the golden rule. And then when you actually open the business, you're going to be hit with a lot of reality. Um, so I always say, always, always. It's like how you write an essay in school. You know, in essays they always, in school they always tell you to write an essay. Also, but like, even if your argument is for, make sure some part of your argument talks about against, and then how you counter that. Because if you don't know why it wouldn't work, you wouldn't know what you'd have to change or adapt to get over that. Um, and I think there's that. Um, if you've got a great idea, you know, go with it. Everyone wants to live their dreams. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, and everyone can be successful in their in whatever their dreams is. But it's got to be um, it's got to be sensible at the same time. Um, and money-wise, you know, don't put ev- don't risk everything um, because it's still a business at the end of the day. And you know we don't gamble for a reason, um, and and business is still a bit of a gamble, but it, at least it's for your own actions. Um, so just be very sensible, think it through. Never rush into business. Definitely don't, because I did, and my first year shouldn't have been as hard as it was, um, but it was really hard because I rushed into it. Uh, I thought there was a you know a golden path paid for me, and there wasn't. Um, and it takes a lot of it takes a lot of work if you you know because I know a lot of people have ideas, but they don't have the work ethic to go with it. And if you haven't got the work ethic to go with it, you can have a million dollar million dollar idea. You're not going to even make a dollar. You need to make sure you have the you know you've got to make the sacrifice. Uh, and I, and I mean that in terms of even with your own family. Like if you don't even sacrifice time with your family, your friends. If you're the guy that wants to open a business and have all your friends come over and enjoy it there's no point of you opening business because then that's just done for your own ego and it's not unless you're a millionaire already or born into a millionaire family there is no point of you doing something like that and wasting your money and your time because it will affect you in many ways afterwards um, because we are close to that ourselves um, and alhamdulillah it, it changed um, but yeah and, and get as much advice as you can from people that are in the industry uh, that people are experienced but also always take their advice with a pinch of salt because what works for someone doesn't necessarily always work for someone else so always take it with a pinch of salt. Um, and then I'll leave the rest of Allah and see how you, where you go with it. Love that. I love that. Great advice. Um, definitely one for you guys to consider. Um, but yeah, thank you for watching, guys. I hope my voice wasn't too bad. <laughs> but um, it's been a great episode. Um, and we hope to see you again soon. Don't forget to subscribe and like and comment on YouTube. Um, if you're listening to the audio version of Spotify or Apple Podcasts, then do please subscribe and leave us a review as well. Um, and then also don't forget to go visit The Great Chase. Um, you won't regret it. It's a great experience. And also, um, the great thing about them is that they've got seasonal menus, as I mentioned earlier. So um, you can always have a different experience if you go in the summer or the winter. Um, so that's a great thing. So definitely go share the love um, and definitely let them know that you've come from Recipe to Success as well. Uh, thank you for watching and we hope to see you soon. <laughs>